Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to um, today's broadcast of Hope Talks, formerly Front Porch Talks. Um, we're still getting used to our new name of Hope Talks. And Grace, what's today represent for you with the history of this program? Well, uh, I was just thinking as uh, we sat down to record today that uh, it was the uh, beginning of May of 2011 when this uh, program started, like you said, formerly Front Porch Talks, now Hope Talks, started as a podcast mm. before coming to the radio two years later. Okay. So happy anniversary yeah, to us, right? Years. Happy ten, 10 years. That's a long time. That's hard to believe. Um, but that's good. Um, God's been good. Yeah. A lot of stories of hope Amen. have come through this. Amen. And we have another story of hope yeah. today. Yep. We have Ashley Roberts joining us. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's good to have you. Yeah. So I realize I didn't formally introduce you and I today, but I think people might know who we are. Ashley, it's good to have you with us today. We'll start out, you know, we won't jump right into the deep waters of your story, but would you have an answer to what's your favorite kind of ice cream? I actually like chocolate ice cream with melted peanut butter. You that is my favorite. Melted peanut butter. Yes. You have to melt it. Yes. So that makes it much more... Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Melted peanut butter. You just put peanut butter in a microwavable glass and... Put it in there for 30 seconds and then pour it on top of your ice cream. So it's like peanut butter syrup. Yeah. And it wow. turns into like a shell on top of the ice cream. Really? Because yes. my kids love peanut butter and chocolate. So yeah. I'll have to send that along. <laughs> of course, Grayson, we know that you like vanilla. <laughs> I like chocolate, but probably not mixed with peanut butter. <laughs> or vanilla. Right? You like I mean, one or the I other? Could, I probably would prefer separate, but I could eat them together probably. Yeah. I thought about one the other day that's really has deep roots for me, and that is grape nut banana. Supposedly, it was made by my grandmother is the one that came up with that. Not sure about it, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with that today, and I may get some feedback uh, from the community that I'm wrong. But anyway, I'm going with that today. Well, Ashley, uh, would you like to just start out, tell us uh, a little bit about where you're from and about how you grew up? I am from Kansas originally. I grew up in a very small town. Less than 200 people, very small town. Um, everybody knew everybody. I have, I guess, technically four brothers and two sisters, but my, between my mom and dad, three of us. Um, I'm the oldest, uh, and then I have a little brother and a little sister. <sighs> Grew up with I, all cousins, all boys. I was one of the boys for mm-hmm. the longest time. I learned to play football and baseball and play in the mud and wrestle and fight, and then... I guess 11 years later, my little sister came along, (laughs) Mm. Um, but there was such an age gap between us that we didn't get along too well. Now Mm. we get along wonderfully, but growing up, not so much. I went to the same school from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, and then uh, actually I became a mom at 14 to my daughter Alexis, who is now 19 years old, and there were a lot of people that kind of doubted me being able to finish high school and take care of my child. And I ended up having my second child my senior year in high school. 
So I graduated from high school with two children. And after I graduated, I had my third child. So, um, but there was a lot of doubt yeah. with the fact that I was going to be able to actually finish high school. But I became the first person in my family to, to be able to graduate from high school. Wow. With college credit. Um, and I was actually a CNA before I even graduated from high school. So, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And um, your daughter is a fine young lady. Yes, she um, is. We don't know one another's stories, you know. That's the first time I've heard that part of your story. And it says something about your perseverance. Yeah. Determined. Are you stubborn? I, yes, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say that I got it from one of my parents, but I'm, I think I'm probably more stubborn than they are. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you got a double dose. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so growing up, was there any, did you all go to church at all? Was that a um, part of your life? We, okay, when when I was quite a bit younger, about my son Liam's age, um, me and my little brother always went to Sunday school, which was right across the street from where my grandmother lived. We went to Sunday school every Sunday. We did the Christmas plays, and throughout the years, we had gone to several different churches, but there was always one thing or another that either, you know, my parents didn't feel comfortable at the church, or the distance between, you know, where we lived to where we went to church, Mm -hmm. but could never really find that church that you feel like you belong to. Right. But me and my little brother still went to Sunday school every single Sunday. Yeah. And then, of course, our favorite... Sunday school teachers, when they finally retired, we stopped going because mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't really care for the new Sunday school teacher. So um, we probably went to Sunday school for a good 10 years every mm-hmm. Sunday, but not really to church too much. Yeah. Um, I didn't really care for going to church and I guess feeling the same way that I felt at every single other church. It was, you know, somebody standing up at the podium telling you, you know, all the things you're doing wrong. Mm, yeah. When in Sunday school, I learned how, you know, good and merciful and forgiving, you know, God was and everything. But then when you went to church, it was like the total opposite of what we had learned in Sunday mm. school. Wow. So when I became a teenager, I just, I'm not going no more. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable with sitting there and having somebody tell me how I should believe in God. Yeah. So I stopped going. And that was pretty much it. And yeah, yeah, until I moved to Virginia. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that those teachers that you had, um, they really invested in your all's lives. Yes, they did. There's just the connection that you had with them was gone when they were, you know? Yeah. So I get that. Um, But I'm glad you had them um, to give you that foundation um, of faith that you have. Yeah. Uh, You can thank those folks for that now if they had been the ones doing church service i would have gladly have gone Mm -hmm. but that just it wasn't the same yeah wow it speaks a lot about uh those that whether it be kids or teenagers lead those people not to take it lightly because you don't know the impact that you're having and might never unless you know they tell you later on or whatever how much that meant to them yeah that's cool to hear that and uh Expanding on, you know, going to church as a kid and not really going as a teenager, was there anything as a kid or maybe even in your young adult years where you came to maybe accept Christ personally into your life or felt his presence drawing you to him? 
I always believed. I It just wasn't, I guess, part of my everyday life. As a kid, you know, you think of other things, you know, going outside to play and friends. Mm-hmm. And, and then as a teenager, I had kids that, you know, I had to take care of in school. So I didn't really, I guess, say, didn't really think about it too mm-hmm. much because I was so busy with life. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. So fast forward. So you're now, you have three kids, right? Um, at that point, yeah. you're as a teenager, what did life look like from there out? I was a single mom. Um, when I was 18, I moved out of my parents' house and I uh, worked in a nursing home as a CNA. And then I became a CMA, so a certified medication aid. Took care of my three kids by myself. Luckily, I did have grandparents to my kids that were around that babysat for me, so I didn't necessarily have to pay for babysitting. (laughs) Thank goodness, (laughs) because that didn't get expensive. But I worked all the time. I took care of my kids, and I met um, Bryce Schendel in 2007. We had known each other for a while. We had just been friends, but we started dating in November of 2007. 2009, uh, we got married. Uh, shortly after we got married, uh, we were expecting our first child, but we, I guess I had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think it would be technically a miscarriage, but um, on our 20-week sonogram visit, when we were supposed to find out the gender of the baby, uh, we found out that the baby didn't have a heartbeat anymore. And that was December of 2009. I was devastated. Um, I had already had three kids, but this was Bryce's first. And I was lost for a little while. And then shortly after, about uh, four or five months later, the doctor told us that we could you know, tr- start trying to have another baby. About a month or so later, found out that I was pregnant again. And we had uh, Zoe. Um, on December 1st of 2010. And then April of 2011, um, the 25th of April, our house caught on fire mm-hmm. with all of us in um, about 1, 1.30 in the morning. Uh, it was the day after Easter. We had got home from Easter Sunday, and it was late. We took the kids to bed. We went to bed, and then at about 1, 1.30 in the morning, we woke up because we were hot and we couldn't figure out why because it had been nice. So we had already turned off our heater. And when we stepped out of our room, all I saw was a wall of red. Mm-hmm. And it was it was so hot. I immediately ran for mine and Bryce's infant, Zoe, who at the time was only four months old. And the next thing I knew, I was being picked up off the floor um, and thrown out of the house. And Bryce telling me to stay out. And he went back in. And I did the only thing I could think of. I grabbed the garden hose and turned on the water and started, went back in the house, started spraying the inside of the house, mm-hmm. trying to cut down on some of the heat and the smoke. And I had hollered for him and nobody answered. And then I heard something. I didn't know what it was exactly, but I was laying on the kitchen floor reaching out, I couldn't see anything because the whole house was just full of smoke. Um, And I found a hand (laughs) and Mm. I pulled and it was um, my daughter Alexis, Mm. my oldest. 
she suffered from third degree burns on her arms as well did I. Um, I had third degree burns on my arms and all the way down my back, but nobody else made it out of the house. Mm. I'm so sorry. That's a tragic, tragic story. Can't imagine living through that, but then living after that. Yeah. So that would have to have tremendous impact on you mentally. Yes, it did. Um, do you have anything you want to share about that? Like, what did that look like in the days? It was very dark for me at that time. I had lost my husband and my three youngest children. And the only thing I could think of was that I was being punished for something, that I had done something wrong. Mm. And I couldn't figure out what because I had been, you know, taking care of my kids ever since the day they were born, going to work, you know, providing, putting a roof over their head. I had tried to be the best mom that I could be, you know, when I wasn't at work and that was the only thing, the only conclusion that I could come to was that I had done something wrong that God was punishing me for. Mm. And that was the day that I turned away from God. And I didn't just turn away from, I ran at full speed away from God that day. And that led me to, everybody called it survivor's guilt, but I ended up started, I started drinking Mm. a lot um, every day. I had the same routine. Every single day, I'd get up in the morning, I'd go to the liquor store, I'd come home, I'd park my car, give my keys to my mom, and I would start drinking. Mm. And I I probably spent thousands of dollars just in alcohol in a few short months. And then when I started drinking, I was trying to, you know, thinking maybe if I drank, it would just take away the pain that I was feeling. But it just kind of led me down a darker road to the point where I contemplated suicide. Mm. Because it just, the pain that I was feeling was just overwhelming. But obviously God had other plans for me because uh, the night that I was actually going to jump off the bridge and just right outside of town, my older brother apparently thought that I needed a babysitter and just started following me around everywhere. Even though I told him I wanted to be alone, he was like, well, I'll be back here. Mm. About 20 feet behind me, everywhere I went. That's, he followed. And I had... My parents, but I knew my parents were grieving, too, for the loss of their grandchildren. And I felt like a, a burden because I I didn't want to lean on anybody because it, it seemed like as soon as it happened, everybody knew me. Mm. But they didn't know me. They knew of mm. me because it was all over the news and in newspapers and all over, you know, the Internet. And, but... They might have known my name, but they didn't know me. Yeah. And everybody gave me the same look everywhere I went. Because, of course, you know, my pictures in the newspaper and on TV. So they just automatically assumed they knew who I was. But the same look appeared on everybody's faces. And it was a look of pity. Mm. And I didn't want them to necessarily feel sorry for me. And anything that they said, I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Many people told me, you know, that they're in a better place. You know, they're, you know, they're with God. They're not feeling any pain. And at that point in time, I thought I was the better place. Mm. Because like I said, I was still thinking that I was being punished for something. Yeah. And I didn't want to hear any of it. That was one of my rules when somebody came into my house. There's no talk of God and Jesus and there's no politics. You know, yeah. that's just... Yeah. But, after 
I realized that um, alcohol wasn't really doing the trick. I turned to Molly, which was a form of, I guess, ecstasy, mm-hmm. just trying to feel better. And from there, it led me to methamphetamines. Mm. And I did that for, well, I'm a year sober now. So yes, yes. Nine years. <laughs> nine yeah. years. <laughs> and there was the whole time, I mo- like after the fire, I moved back to the property that me and my husband owned where the house had caught fire on. I just had the house torn down and I put a different house on the property because I moved back because I wanted to feel some kind of connection with them. Yeah. Whether I, you know, whether it was possible or not, it was, and everybody told me that I should have just moved somewhere else because there was so much heartbreak there. But all I could see at that time was all of the good stuff that happened there. I was just trying to overlook the bad. Yeah. And it was, I was like that for almost 10 years. Mm. And I didn't want to have anything to do with religion. I didn't want to have nothing. And then (laughs) Liam, my youngest, the one that me and Lewis have together, he started praying at dinner time and at bedtime and stuff like that. I would just stand in the kitchen like, I don't. Yeah. I don't want no part of it. Like, you can, more power to you, buddy, but I'm I'm just. At that time, I'm just not about that life. <laughs> That's yeah. just how I was, and which was which was sad because I think the reason why I just stopped was because every night before bed with my other kids before the fire, we you know pray. We prayed at dinner, and then I mean my kids went to church with grandma mm. on Sundays when they went over to grandma's, and even though I didn't go to church, I still believed. Yeah. It was just. Church just wasn't for me. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, after after all that, it was like church really wasn't for me. Mm. And I just, I didn't stop believing. And I actually had a pastor when my daughter was in the hospital ask me why I was so angry at God. And I told him, it's not because I think he did it. It's not because I think that he could have stopped it. I know that God doesn't work like that. You know, we have free will Stuff happens. Accidents happen. You know, that's not why I was angry. I was angry at myself. But if I, I guess, projected my anger outward towards the people around me, I wouldn't have had anybody. Mm. Everybody would have left because I had so much anger and hatred that God was the only one that would still love me at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. And that's. That is honestly the reason why I was so angry at God for so long is because if I had done that to anybody else, nobody would have loved me. I mean, I was having a hard time just dealing with myself. and But I knew that God's a big boy. He'd still love me at the end of the day. Even though I, you know, cussed him and was so angry and didn't pray and didn't give thanks for anything because I felt like everything that I had had just been taken away but he still loved me yeah so what changed the tide (laughs) I got tired of living the life that I was living I wanted a better life for my son one where his mom wasn't full of anger and hatred and that's what I decided that I was done with drugs I was done with alcohol I was done punishing myself more or less but I didn't know how to go about forgiving myself Mm. and about asking for God's forgiveness for running away for so long. (laughs) Yeah, 
And Lewis had started going to church before all the coronavirus stuff hit. And he had asked me, you know, a couple of times, do you want to go? No, no, I'm not ready to take this. No. And he dove in head first, but he was used to that life with, you know, his grandfather and his grandmothers, you know, mm-hmm. in the church mm-hmm. all the time. I was not. So I was not ready to dive in head first. I'm, I'm a toe toucher. I'm, te- <laughs> I'm testing the waters right, first. Right. But I, you know, I started praying with them at dinner time and stuff like that. I figured baby steps. And then when the coronavirus stuff hit, Life at home was not so kind. Um, I was working all the time. And it was put a strain on mine and Lewis's relationship with his drug use and my drug use. And I was done with that life. And it didn't seem like he was. He wanted to, but he just didn't know anything else. And we were, I was, like I said, I was done. And... I ended up leaving. I took Liam and we went down to my mom and dad's house because you know, I didn't want I didn't want Liam to be around that. I didn't want to be around it and Lewis wasn't quite quite there yet. Yeah. <laughs> um and then the day Lewis tried his suicide attempt, I was at work. It was actually he had twice. Yeah. Um I was at work. And I got a phone call, I think it was from his sister, saying that Lewis had just taken a whole bunch of pills and I left work because at the time I only worked a few blocks away from where we lived. And I was fully prepared to stick my finger down his throat, make him throw up, whatever yeah. I needed to do. Yeah. Because I was like, no, that's not how this is going to go. <laughs> um, I wasn't having it. <laughs> and... It was then that he realized that he had gone too far. Yeah. He had, it was time to take a step back and more or less reevaluate everything. And when he did that, it was kind of the turning point and the starting point for me to start reevaluating where I stand with, you know, my faith and everything because I was still. on the yeah. fence about it a little bit, but I I was there. I witnessed him hit his knees and pray, and he went and got rid of everything. Yeah, and it was wonderful to see, especially seeing where he was to where he is now. Yeah, and that was the starting point of it. Was yeah. amazing, and that's when it kind of started for me. Like you know, maybe, yeah, maybe I need to rethink my whole faith situation and then he came up here with Liam and I just continued to do what I did you know I went to work every day but missing him and our son I was like you know maybe I'll I'll give it a whirl (laughs) I'll move away from what I've known my entire life and I moved up here to Virginia as well and um, I think it was my not my first week up here. It was my second week up here. I started CR. Yeah. That was a doozy. <laughs> uh, I think I cried quite a bit mm-hmm. during that first <laughs> experience of CR. But it was when I started crying, I was started thinking, I 
think I'm in the right spot. Yeah. Um, and CR has helped tremendously because I had told Lewis before, I didn't know how to forgive myself. Mm. I didn't know where to start. Yeah. And when I started going to CR, it was like, that was the, the wow. <laughs> like there's yeah. like, and I think it was what, two or three weeks ago, I finally said something that I had never even contemplated saying before because I had always blamed myself for what happened to my family. And I was finally able to say it was just an accident. Yeah. I did nothing wrong. Right. And that was a, whoo, wow. Yeah. That was a wow moment for me. Mm. And, uh, I think it was not the second week, but the third week of the, after I was up here, um, we started coming to church. Yeah. Here. That's right. Yeah. And it was still outside at the moment, at that time. That um, was good for you, right? Yes, it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced that I was going to be struck down before I even right. <laughs> stepped foot in the building. But yeah, uh, we sat in the car and it was the first sermon that I heard here from Pastor Adrian that really got me with the wow. And something he said has actually stuck with me Mm. since that. And he said that if you're not dead, then God's not done. Wow. (laughs) Like, wow. Okay. Mm. (laughs) Like I'm listening. I'm listening now. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Very personal. I was, I was, I remember sitting in the back seat of the car, just bawling my eyes out. Cause I'm like, Oh, what is going on here? Yeah. Like I'm feeling things that I didn't know that I could actually feel anymore. And since then we've been coming to church here mm-hmm. on Sundays, CR on Mondays. Mm-hmm. We even go to another group on Thursdays. Yeah. And I've, Lewis has actually told me, yeah, I've, you've come a long way from where you were to where mm-hmm. you are now, you know, yeah. running, far away at full speed from God to running towards God. Mm. And I told him, I was like, I don't know about running yet, but I'm speed walking. That's right. I'm getting there. (laughs) And I didn't think it was coincidence that the day you were standing up telling everybody that they were going to start baptisms again and that you were doing baptisms here on the 25th of April. And I didn't think it was a coincidence because the 25th of April is – the 10-year anniversary from when my family passed away and, and when I ran mm-hmm. from God. So I didn't think it was too much of a coincidence. And normally my stubborn, hard-headed self wouldn't have listened, but trying to... <laughs> Be open to the spirit. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was like, I think I'm going to listen this time. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm going to be baptized on the 25th of April. I figured it'd be my light in the whole day of darkness mm. of being baptized. So. Yeah, that's significant. That's so significant that, like, there's, with God, there's there are no coincidences. Yeah. You know, like, with God, I think he is very, he does things in, in such a way that we can't deny it. Yeah. Um, and just to hear... Your story, and then Lewis is going back to 
the first Sunday in April when he shared his testimony. If folks haven't put that together yet, this is the same family. Um, And just watching you all over the last year um, grow and lean in, and you're both coming from really hard places. Yeah. But I believe sincerely that uh, God has saved you both miraculously, and he has things that for you in the future that you've never dreamed of, thought of, or imagined. Yeah. And um, it's beautiful. And Liam is just such a little man of God. He amazes me and um, so grateful uh, that we have you all here with us. Um, it is an honor. It's been great to hear your story today. And um, I'll be anxious to watch as God continues to unfold the story yep. um, of your life. Ashley, thank you for joining us today on Hope Talks. And really, uh, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing uh, the many tragedies and hard things that you've gone through, but how God's transformed your life and um, really done a work and is still doing a work in your life. Uh, So thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing that today. Thank you. And another thing real quick that stuck out to me was just about how, you know, you were talking about pounding kind of on the heart of God and kind of taking all your hard stuff to him because you knew he could take it and nobody else would take that. And that's a great testimony that we can always be real with God. We can always be honest with him. He can take it. Um, Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard Ashley Roberts' testimony, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.